0: Hello and welcome back to She's in Focus, the podcast dedicated to inspiring and empowering female filmmakers and videographers from all walks of life and on every step of their creative journey. I'm your host, Kel Grant, an aspiring filmmaker from New Jersey who's just trying to turn my passion into something more and connect with amazing women who have the same passion for video. One of those being Sandra Leung the principal photographer and owner of Yaletown Photography, who uses her talents to capture and celebrate life's milestones through her camera lens for over 18 years and helps other budding photographers step into their creative power through teaching wedding photography and business courses in Vancouver. Her work mm-hmm. has been featured in numerous corporate publications, and she's even ventured into videography over this past year. Sandra, I'm honored to have a photography veteran here today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Kel. It's a complete honor. Awesome. Awesome. We're so excited. And it's great that we're finally uh, being able to connect because I know it's been, you know, a lot of email correspondence and we're finally here. So I'm I'm super glad to have you. Yeah. Great way to start 2022. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I don't have many like photographers on the podcast, or people who have started out kind of with mm. their first love being photography and then branching into videography. So I have to know, how did you get started with photography, and then how did it evolve into your full-time gig and ultimately your business?
1: Well, the funny thing is I have to correct my write-up, which probably needs to be updated now because I've actually been a photographer for 20 years now. So oh, it's it's wow. more than 18, yeah, 20 years. So how it all started was I actually grew up in a very traditional Asian family with very, very practical parents. And the last thing they wanted their child to be was an artist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let alone a Mm -hmm. photographer. So um, all throughout high school, I loved I loved fine art. I loved drawing and painting. And the really most natural progression for me was to actually go into art school. So when it came time to filling out the university applications, I actually filled out an art school application, which at the time, my mom's like, there's no way in hell you're going to art school because you can't make money as an artist. Mm. So the compromise for me was to basically find something creative to do in university. And what I winded up doing was doing a business degree specializing in marketing. And I actually graduated from business school and did business for about a good five or six years. And during that time, I basically picked up a camera and started to Teach myself how to take pictures, um, and it just so happened that during that same time, I had lots of friends over the years that were starting to get married, and they would be like, mm. "Hey, Sandra has a photographer," and we should ask her to take some photos for us. And, you know, they maybe couldn't afford to hire a photographer for the entire day. And so they would ask me to come and take photos during the reception. So that's essentially how it all got started. And what I winded up doing was I I winded up working as a photographer's assistant for a, a wedding photographer locally here in Vancouver, who basically kind of, you know, trained me and taught me how to shoot weddings. And, you know, eventually it got to the point where I decided that this is what I wanted to do full time and so I basically made that leap of faith and I took the plunge and became a full-time
0: photographer at that point in time. Oh wow! I mean, with your business background too, I'm sure that leaping into the the business or, or side of things as well was a little bit less intimidating than mm. somebody starting completely from scratch. And you had the opportunity to to shadow someone and work with somebody, kind of learn mm-hmm. the ropes before mm-hmm. uh, you know diving in on your own. So tell me a little bit about. Um, the mentorship or the the partnership that you had while working as a photo- photography assistant for this wedding um, company.
1: yeah, it was um, it was really invaluable. and this is what I tell like now that I'm teaching photography myself, this is what I tell all of my students is really to give yourself that opportunity to just be an assistant for a photographer for at least a season, just to give you an idea, um, an opportunity to observe how things are done. And so for me, it was really just a, a, a really um, helpful time for me to just kind of learn the sequence of events and learn how to anticipate moments and just learn how to rapport with with, with people. And I think that was a very, very invaluable thing. And, and for me, I think it, it also was very helpful that I was also in that season with my of friends that a lot of people were getting married. So weddings was a really natural kind of thing for me to kind of fall into just simply because there were a lot of my friends that were getting married. and, And I was able to witness and observe and see all of the little nuances that happen and the sequence of events and the logistics that happen in a wedding, which actually made it really helpful for me when it came time for me to, you know, be the main wedding photographer and I kind of was able to walk, you know, clients through the logistics and planning and all those kinds of facets of what is important to do and how to optimize your wedding photographers photography time.
0: That's incredible. Um, Yeah. It it seems that all of the things that you were learning really translated to Mm -hmm. when you, you started your business. So there's so much to, to get to here too, um, because now you're, you're teaching and you're, you're taking your skills. So do you think um, at what point in your business did you say, okay, now I want to kind of lend all of my knowledge to, to some eager budding photographers? Mm, Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, I think even as I was in
1: photography school, so what happened was after I after I, I took on the role of a wedding uh, photographer's assistant, I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to go back to, to school. And so what I did was I, I took a photography program, a local photography program, a program that I winded up becoming a teacher in. <laughs> so I winded up going full circle. But at the time when I was taking the class, um, one of my instructors uh, was teaching the business class that I'm actually teaching now in the program. And um, one of the questions he would ask the students is, you know, what what do you see yourself doing five years, 10 years from now? And one of the things I had written was that I could see myself, you know, kind of contributing back to the community, just like my instructors had done and, 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 you know, taking on a teaching role. So it was, um, it was something that was something that I could see myself doing anyway. So it was a very, um, the funny thing is he remembered, (laughs) he remembered at the time that I'd written that. And so um, at that time, there was a wedding photographer that was teaching a wedding, the wedding class, and, and he wanted to moving on to other things. So that Position became vacant, and so he wanted up contacting me. This was probably back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, and then I started taking on that role, and um, I'm still teaching there
0: today. Wow! Oh my goodness, that's so incredible, <laughs> and I love that. Um, you know, I bet not many people in the program kind of had those goals and that's probably why you you stuck out as someone you stuck out as someone who he wanted to kind of return to and thought of when the opportunity presented itself um yeah because I don't know if you asked me what I think I want to look like uh five years from now as far as my business Mm -hmm. is concerned or my creative Mm -hmm. aspirations I don't know that I have an answer Mm -hmm. uh for you just yet um but that's (laughs) that's really awesome that your, uh, your professor was able to kind of guide you into that position. And it really did come full circle. Mm-hmm. You ended up, um, you know, there, I'm sure a lot of steps kind of in between. So are there any mm-hmm. blanks you can fill in for us? So from going, um, from going to, to, to school for um, your, your business degree and marketing to starting mm-hmm. your business, um, mm-hmm. what did, what did you, your business originally look like when you started? Was it kind of like you had a storefront in Yaletown Or was this kind of like a freelance thing that you ended up starting up? Right. So
1: that's a really good question. So how
0: um,
1: I started out was because I had worked as a assistant for this wedding photographer, she actually winded up moving to the States. And when it was time for her to move to the States, she asked me whether or not I wanted to buy out her wedding photography business. So that's basically how I got into the wedding photography business was essentially because she sold it to me. So we started, she had her studio in Yaletown and I just basically took over the space that she had and, and negotiated a new lease with the landlord at the time. And I'm still in the same space today. So it's been 20 years now, almost 20 years now that I've been in this space. And so that's essentially how I got into it. And so when I first started out, I was mainly a wedding photographer. And how she had set up her business, I kind of carried on a very similar framework, which was really more um, a a wedding photography studio. And it was myself as uh, one of the photographers. And then I also had associate photographers who also worked for my company. So at any point in time, I could essentially book multiple weddings in a day and that's kind of how i started out the business to begin with but as the years went on i realized that for me personally relationships with my clients was a really really important thing and i felt that there was a little bit of a void there you know especially Mm -hmm. if i was hiring associates to do the job for me i wouldn't have that kind of close personal connection with my clients that i would if i was actually there myself So what I realized was the whole concept of here's your wedding photos, have a nice life that didn't resonate with me very well over time. And I felt like I needed something a little bit more of a long term connection with my clients. So what I what I started to do was I started to diversify my repertoire of work. So I started to shoot some family work and I did um, and I continued on with my corporate work as well, because I had such a large connection in the corporate community, being in business myself, I actually was an editorial photographer for one of the local uh, business magazines in the city. Uh, and I did that also at the same time that I was also a wedding photographer. So there was two facets of type of work that I was shooting mainly. Um, mm-hmm. But then there was that, it, again, that personal connection, that relational connection I was really missing. And I felt like I needed to nurture my soul in a much, much bigger way. And so that's why I decided that I was going to start diversifying my portfolio. So now, um, you know, weddings is pretty much a fairly small component of what I do now. It's still a part of it. But um, I would say a lot of it is branched off to uh, family work, family portrait work, and then also corporate work as well as a big component of what I do.
0: That's wonderful. Um, also, I should note there's a pattern here. It's like you're working with the, these people, whether it's in class or um, as a photography assistant, and then once the opportunity presents itself, they're like, "You're the next kind of rightful heir to this to this operation." Um, so that's just just so incredible how that kind of thread has been uh, woven through your life. Um, that's just it's just so funny. Uh, but I'm I'm curious. You know, I think that. A lot of people myself included when you look at your portfolio or when you think about the type of work that you're doing there's there's the you know the business aspect of it like how much money am i bringing in that kind Mm -hmm. of like you know you have to get a certain amount of clients to get income this month this and that but then it's also the fulfillment you get from the type of work that you're doing Mm -hmm. um and so i found it in my personal journey like i'm you know i have a few clients and i'm just you know making these snappy social media edits Um, and those are, you know, they're paying the bills at the moment. But Mm -hmm. when I, when I think about it, it's like, what's missing? What do I really like? Oh, I really like doing, um, you know, personal brand stories for, for businesses. And sometimes there's this, um, there's this disconnect between what's, um, accessible, what's, Mm -hmm. what's kind of easy business and what Mm -hmm. will continue to kind of, um, nourish your funnel for your Mm -hmm. income and -hmm. then also it's like stepping out of that that comfort zone and and kind of backing out of that safety net and branching Mm -hmm. out to try to find projects that you you really that'll fulfill you more or fulfill Mm -hmm. your 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 business in a different way did you find Mm -hmm. that when you were stepping out of weddings Mm -hmm. you were kind of stepping um out of your comfort zone so to speak Mm -hmm. and really diversifying your portfolio what was that process like for you
1: yeah it's um you know, like you said, so much of, I mean, so much of um, running your own business, you also have to think about the dollars and cents, right? You have to Mm -hmm. think about, you know, how are you going to, you know, pay for your rent for your studio or whatever overhead expenses you have. And so those are a lot of those things did come into my mind because, you know, I don't know what it is like in, in your state, but in Vancouver, Weddings potentially can be a very lucrative form of income as a photographer. And so for me to kind of say, okay, well, I'm gonna shoot less of that and I'm gonna do more of something else, you know, that also required a little bit of just resetting my mindset in terms of, okay, you know, let's let's look at the potential revenues here and you know what are things that I would maybe potentially have to forego versus not doing or doing less of and making less as a result of it. And you know some people may have a different perspective on looking at that. Like other people may actually find that they're making more money on the corporate side than they ever would on the weddings. But what what I what how I see it is that um, really people follow you and people want to work with you when you're passionate about what you do. So even if you may be making lots of money as a wedding photographer. If you hated working as a wedding photographer, and if you don't enjoy it, people are going to know that you don't enjoy what you do. And so that will also reap what you reap, what you sow, right? So this is how I see it is that, you know, what people want to work with people that are passionate about what they're doing. And so I think you will eventually find those types of clients that want to work with you as a result of seeing your enthusiasm and your passion towards that type
0: of work? Absolutely. I, I, I'm I, completely um, in agreement with you on that. So, what, um, so I think what differentiates your business from maybe other businesses in, in the area too is that passion that you bring to your projects. Can you kind of illustrate for us what that client relationship looks like mm-hmm. for you, um, mm-hmm. you know, from a client finding you or being referred to you mm-hmm. to the like intake meeting or the initial mm-hmm. meeting um, mm-hmm. all the way through and how that um, relationship is kind of fostered through the the project and then the, the delivery of the, the final right. product. Right. Um, I think there's two there's two things that I would
1: focus on mainly. I think number one, communication is key. So it's it's from the time that you start communicating with your clients that you are also educating them on the experience that you will bring, and that experience is not just going to be delivering top quality images or video in this case but it's also going to be a relational one. And what I mean by relational one is that it's going to be fostered over time. So, um, you know, milestone moments can be a lot of different things. It could be a wedding. It could be a birthday party. It could be a celebration. It could be a grand opening for your business. All of those things are considered to me are considered milestone moments. So as me being a relational photographer that fosters relationship, I want to be a part of that. And so I think coming into that, um, uh, that, uh, that initial discussion with your clientele and educating them on that kind of sets them up for the fact that, okay, Sandra is going to be with me beyond just this project, it's going to be a lot more than that. It's going to, it's going to stem into different facets of, of, of my life. And so I think it's a matter of walking them through that and initially educating them on, educating them on that. And then secondly, also from a relational standpoint, many of my clients have become friends, right? So it's, it it just, it's a very natural thing. And so You know, you just wind up, you know, having a much more personal relationship with people and you talk to any veteran photographer out in the industry and they will tell you that the number one thing that they cherish the most is the relationship that they have with their clients, because it is about that is that is going to be those are going to be your cheerleaders. Those are going to be the people that will share word of mouth advertising for you. That are, those are all free things, right? It doesn't cost you anything. You don't need to set up Instagram ads or Facebook ads for that. You know, these are all free things. And so that is the number one thing that most photographers in the industry will say is the, is, is, is the most important thing to them is the relationship with the clients.
0: Absolutely. I think that's, that's true with, um, with any anybody who's a big fan of any type of company or business, it's like that. You know, not only is the is the product great, but it's the it's the customer service, if you will. It's the mm-hmm. the relationship, yeah. the relational aspect of it as that's well. Right. Um, so that's really awesome. So you have a very personal story as to why you started um, picking up your camera to film, mm-hmm. having to do with your mother. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Up until twenty twenty. Um, video wasn't even in my radar. I had no plans to become a videographer. I'd worked alongside some amazing videographers at weddings that i shot. I see the hard work that goes into it. And there was not an inkling of motivation for me to ever become a videographer at all. Mm. <laughs> um, but what happened was in 2019, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and, mm. um, During early in 2020, uh, she was she was um, uh, she was uh, still undergoing a lot of her chemotherapy and the prognosis wasn't looking good. The cancer had returned and it was quite an aggressive form of cancer. So at that time, I remember uh, meeting up with a friend of mine and he gave me some really sound advice at the time. And he said, Sandra, just film everything about your mom you know, take videos of her as she's doing the things that she enjoys as a way to remember her. So that was really my first time that I actually felt motivated to switch my camera from photo to video mode. And what I did was uh, discover something profound, which is I discovered my mom's voice and her nuances. And Mm -hmm. when she winded up passing away in September of that same year, I didn't feel anxious that I would forget the sound of her voice or her nuances because the detailed memory of her was already being etched in film before before she died. And so it, it brought me a lot of comfort and peace knowing that. And so that kind of set the course for me to think the potential of what video video can do. And so uh, because she had uh, passed away in Vancouver, she also had a home in Hong Kong. And so over Christmas, I actually had to fly back to Hong Kong to kind of take care of all of her personal belongings and clean out her her room and whatnot. Um, But because of COVID and all the coronavirus restrictions in Hong Kong, it was mandatory for you to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel before you can come out to the mm-hmm. general population. And so during the two weeks while I was in the hotel room, I basically taught myself how to use like the camera for video and how to edit video on Premiere Pro. So every day I would wake up and I'd go online and i you know basically go in on these online courses and learn how to shoot video. And that's basically what kind of set the trajectory of where I'm at today is that's that was what I discovered was just, oh, you know, hey, this is a great opportunity to really help my clients capture, you know, their milestone moments. Why does it only need to be in photos? It can also be in film as well. So that's kind of how it all got started.
0: Yeah, that's that's a beautiful story, and those are going to be videos of your mom that you'll look back on for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. and that you'll share um, mm-hmm. to to kind of um, keep her her legacy alive, if you will. That's that's beautiful. Sure. Um, yeah. That's something that I, uh, I I hear from a lot of, of people is they started um, as far as using video to just document the the events of their lives. It it hasn't. Um, for a lot of people, it didn't really sink in like, oh, I could do this for others or oh, mm-hmm. I could actually, um, you know, incorporate this into my business. I feel like that doesn't necessarily sink in um, for a lot of people until, until after the fact.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I feel that it oftentimes like the nudge for change comes with seismic traumatic experiences. Yeah. And for me, the death of my mom was that seismic experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, is it a weird spot for you because you're you're very experienced in photography? Did you almost feel like you were so out of your element when you started? Because it's one thing to to capture video of your mom. Maybe mm. you were on automatic mode. Yes, it's I was. Another thing. <laughs> It's another thing to kind of try to incorporate this in your business and say, okay, let me learn about aperture and all this stuff. So did you feel completely out of your element or did some of the photography skills kind of transfer Mm. over? Yeah. uh,
1: Well, definitely I would say, um, you know, I'm, I'm mostly a natural light shooter for majority of the photography that I do, but definitely my lighting skills have come in handy as well as the compositional skills have helped But things like frame rate and like using like ND filters and and also microphone, like holy smokes, like that whole audio beast, you know, Mm. has been such a steep learning curve. But really how I've embraced it, I feel like what it was like 20 years ago learning photography. And that's exactly how I feel like today with the video journey is that it's been a really exciting one because for me, I've always, my passion has always been the love of just growing and learning as a creative person. And I feel that as a visual creative, you have to evolve, right? You can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. And going back to your uh, comment earlier about, you know, how do you, you know, how do you find you know, clients that kind of, you know, you you know, you want to work with and that you you like doing things for. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of that has to do with just being in a space where you feel like you can actually create and you're not given the pressure to just like, you know, do commission work all the time or do things just to pay the bills. You need to find a creative space for yourself. And I guess in many ways, COVID was very, very much a blessing because it gave me a little bit more extra time and also that quarantine period to just sit with myself and just learn and be creative. And so that that was very helpful as well. The timing and it also, you know, some of the skills with the photography have helped for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was definitely a lot to learn, especially on the
0: editing side and the audio side, for sure definitely where would you say you're at on your video journey at the moment and what kind of um from video projects have you taken on Mm, at at this point
1: yeah so i've done a couple of corporate projects already and um a lot of those were already existing photography clients that i have now Mm. converted to photo and video so that's been really exciting for me because I see that kind of marrying the two together and it just looks so perfect to me right now that it's like every every business client that I'm meeting with I say well you just you don't just need photos you also need video too so that's been a really great conversational piece for me to start with and mm-hmm. and so I, I've done a few um, you know uh, uh, corporate work uh, branding shoots and I've done some um, you know uh, really quick promo pieces and whatnot And then on on the personal side, it's really been more, a little bit more portfolio building. So I've done two family films and uh, this coming March, I'm going to be doing an anniversary film for the first couple that I photographed for a wedding. So it's my first wedding client ever. (laughs) So it'll be great. So it'll be a full circle, but instead of, uh, you know, a traditional 20 year anniversary photo shoot, it's going to be a 20 year anniversary video shoot and and an anniversary film.
0: That's amazing. Um, And I love that you kind of get to pull from the same the same pool of applicants, if you will, because mm. um, you already know that you have a rapport and a relationship with these clients and mm-hmm. what a better, um, you know, they already trust you mm-hmm. and your creative abilities and your vision. So it's kind of a safe space absolutely. for you to, to, for you to enter into to video. And, yes. and um are you, are you transparent with your clients in that? Like, Hey, this is something I'm, mm-hmm. I'm branching out into mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. approach this with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, and you know, the, the, the great thing is that the, those that have said yes, they, those are the ones I find those are the risk takers that are willing to kind of, you know, not just give me, uh, allow me the trust to do it, but also the risk takers in the sense that they, they see, they, they they don't quite grasp the concept of video quite yet, but they understand the benefit, they, they see the, the potential benefits of it. And so they're willing to invest and take that risk to create a video, something similar to, you know, what I've shown them to date. And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do something like that. So yeah, absolutely.
0: That's, uh, that's awesome to have them on board and be eager Mm -hmm. uh, about Mm -hmm. the project as well. Mm -hmm. So are you, because I know that you, uh, when you first started your business, you were hiring the associate photographers. Is that how you're doing it with video or are you kind of just one woman showing it at the moment? Right
1: now I am one woman photo video, which is a (laughs) lot of work, but I think as I, as I grow my video business, there, there could be a potential that I will be hiring, um, other people on my team just to help me with either, Probably the video side, just at least the the, 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 cameras, the camera side of things. And then, you know, I'll probably stay on as more of the stills and then I'll hire somebody to do the, the um, you know, the, the video clips and whatnot. And then I'll probably still do some of the editing because I actually do enjoy part of the editing process as well. I find it quite creative.
0: Yeah, that's always my favorite part too. I feel like it comes together in the edit for me. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'm definitely with you at that. So, um, not only are you doing photo, wow! Not only are you doing photo, you're doing video, and you're also teaching um, Mm -hmm. and doing uh, what I saw labeled as advisor, advisor sessions, Mm. advisory sessions. Yeah, yeah, advisor Um, sessions. So, tell me uh, a little bit about that and how that's been going.
1: Right. So I've actually been doing some um, one on one advisor sessions with uh, photographers, mostly local in in the uh, in the area. And what they are is one on one meetings with me where I basically tailor tailor a plan for them. Um, whatever it is that they want to be focusing on for their business, whether it's um, specific business marketing related things about their photography business, or whether or not it's just learning how to shoot a certain way or, or technique. That's kind of how I cater the advisor sessions. So it's, um, it's usually meetings with me and we just kind of talk and discuss about, you know, normally how I like to break it out is I like to assess exactly what, they're they're needing and what they're looking to do with their time with me, and then I cater, cater, uh, basically tailor the um, the advisor session towards what they're what they're wanting to learn. So I've been doing this for about um, three years or so, and um, I just recently did a, a promotional video on that. I figured, you know what, if I'm not practicing what I'm preaching in terms of creating my own promo video, probably mm. clients won't understand exactly what that means so I figured I should actually create my own promo video so that's that's what I did and it'll be good because then I can use that as an example for potential clients as well
0: yeah I've uh, actually saw that one on your uh, on your Instagram too so which is uh, why I, I asked the question um, right. so at what point um, was there like a moment where your mindset was like okay I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this question because what a lot of people end up struggling with as creatives is uh, something called imposter syndrome, hmm. right? And you are a 20-year a vet in the photography space. Is there any moments where you've kind of experienced that over the course of your your creative journey and launching your business but also I was wondering if that kind of crept in when you decided that okay now I'm in a position to be able to teach other people because I feel like if I'm speaking for me if I was in that position my the question that would come up in my head was am I am I good enough to teach other people am I worthy enough will they want to listen to what I have to say what gives me the right you know am I in the right position to do that did you experience any imposter syndrome in that way
1: Absolutely. Like, and I still, there's still days I, w- and I tell my students this all the time, there are still days I wake up and I'm like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> like, why am I here? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yes, absolutely there are. What I discovered is that, you know, if you have something to share, there's probably going to be people that don't know what you know. Right. And, and regardless of whether or not, you know, and I know a lot of people have qualms about people that are like, you know, offering workshops, you know, three years into their careers and and having like a big beef about that. But how I see it is that they're probably um, they're probably taking on students that don't know what they know. Right. So if you have something to share, it may not be the most revolutionary thing, um, but if there's people that are willing to listen, then it's probably stuff that they don't know. So that's kind of how I see it from that perspective is that there's probably things that you can share with people and um, you can probably host a workshop of some degree and people might show up. And to me, that just demonstrates that there's probably something valuable that you can share with them that they don't yet know about. And so that's the perspective I'd like to take because I think you're right. There's so many of us that kind of go through, you know, those like, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I know what I know well enough to do it. Um, but, you know, there's never, it's never, we, unfortunately, we tend to live in a environment, maybe whether it's our upbringing or whether it's the way we think um, or how we were taught to think. We, we don't, there's never, it's never enough. Yeah. Right. And so when, Is it going to be enough for you to go out there and do that? When is it ever going to be enough for you to go out there and run that workshop? Or when is it ever going to be good enough for you to start that photography business or videography business or whatnot?
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that, in a way, you only have to be, like, a step or two ahead of somebody to teach mm-hmm. them what you know. Because, mm-hmm. like you're saying, if they don't have uh, that the same experiences as you or that the same point of reference, you can always uh, teach somebody something. It's a mm-hmm. matter of... Um, you know, if you feel comfortable in yourself, really, I feel like that's where the real the real work is, yeah. because there's always going to yeah. be somebody who wants to learn yes. um, and who's eager to to take the next step. So that's a wonderful perspective to have on it. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are some of the problems or not problems, I guess, uh, struggles maybe that photographers or creatives are coming to you with during your advisory sessions?
1: Hmm. I think um, the number one thing would be pricing. Mm. right yeah Mm -hmm. how to price my work and you know um or how to get to a different price point right um so a lot of a lot of people tend to struggle with how to price things properly and you know unfortunately it's a little bit of like the wild west when it comes to pricing (laughs) i -hmm. find you know i i kind of wish like we could be like you know um you know, uh, an association like, you know, like the doctors all kind of have like a certain level that they need to start charging um, right. or there's some kind of regulation out there that makes it easier for for us creatives to start pricing things. But unfortunately, you know, we are in a creative space and people see art in a very subjective way. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's probably the number one challenge is, is pricing. And then the second one is probably um, marketing 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 themselves and you know trying to market to the right clientele and and trying to figure out who the who who that clientele is I think those are probably the two main things that most
0: most of the most of the people who come to me struggle with the most yeah I mean that that makes sense especially because these are things that um I don't know, aren't necessarily taught in a traditional maybe photography or, or filmmaking course um learning yeah. these these kind of um Uh, the skills that help you elevate your business and grow your business. So, and maybe Mm -hmm. that's, that's the problem. Maybe uh, there needs to be kind of the route that these creatives take is taking a business course or doing something like Mm -hmm. um, kind of you had, but business for photography, business for creatives. And I think that's, isn't that similar to what you uh, essentially teach at the, um, at the program that you were explaining about before?
1: Absolutely. Yes. So there are programs out there that do offer it. Uh, There's not, there's there's a lot that don't offer it, right? And mm. that's the problem. Like you, you know, you you talk to most of the people who have gone to like um, traditional art schools and things like that. And unfortunately, they they teach you about being a great artist, but they don't teach you how to be a good business person. So, Mm. you know, that's one of the challenges that a lot of artists, you know, creatives have is they don't really know how to position themselves and they don't know how to market their own business. And, you know, you talk to those that are fantastic about marketing their business and they're great at it. They may not necessarily be the most talented photographer or creative out there, but they sure as heck know how to do well when it comes to to marketing their business and they do a great job at it and and they're making it a sustainable business for them, which is the important thing right, and this is the reason why I feel pricing it you know it is it is very much this is what I say it's very much like um fine wine. It's like, it, it gets better over time. Like the process of, you know, asking the right questions and trying to come up with estimates and quotes, it does take a bit of practice and it takes a little bit of time in terms of probing the right questions and asking the right things. And um, yeah, it does, it does take a bit of practice, but after a while, you know, it get it does, it does become a little bit easier, right? And obviously knowing uh, your market and understanding what the market can bear and, and what others are charging, because everybody is in business for different reasons. So you shouldn't necessarily just look at other photographers or videographers in the industry and say, oh, okay, well, XYZ person is charging this much, so I -hmm. should do the same. But I think you need to have that conversation with yourself. Ask yourself important questions about what kind of lifestyle you want, how much you actually want to make, you know, as a living in doing what you want to do as creative. And, And that answer is going to be different for everybody. So you shouldn't necessarily just Go by what other people are charging uh, in order for you to come up with what you should charge. But uh, It should be a factor, but it shouldn't be the only factor.
0: I totally agree that everybody has kind of their own their own path and their own journey. Um, and if you start to, to compare yourself to other people, I think that's when it gets kind of dangerous and all, you introduce all those doubts um, into yourself. So um, So I'm actually wondering what kind of feedback have you received from your advisor sessions, from individuals that you're able to have that one-on-one time with?
1: Mm, yeah, no, the, the feedback has been has been great. You know, um, majority of the people that, okay, majority of the people who come, um, my, my caveat is, is that uh, you need to do the work. I'm mm-hmm. going to give you work to do and you need to do it. Those that do the work thrive, right? You know, you need mm-hmm. to invest in it, right? And I feel like those that perhaps, you know, had doubts about it, you know that usually after one or two meetings that's it they're they're done but majority of the people who do the work i see them thriving in the industry and it's and it, and it's so fantastic to see that right it, because at the end of the day it's not about me it's about them and 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 you know i kind of came to kind of full circle when i started these sessions is that yeah you know it's not necessarily um, about my ego. I'm not trying to stroke my ego here, but I'm really just trying to, trying to help them out. And and this is one of the reasons why I continue to do that. This is also one of the reasons why I continue to teach is because I believe that, you know, what I have to share is going to make that industry stronger and better. And um, yeah. And so I feel like it, the feedback has been fantastic. And I'm still, you know, in, in close contact with many of the photographers that I've helped in the industry. Some of them have come back, you know, for a few times, it's, it's usually done at a, as an ad needed basis. So I don't necessarily ever pressure people. Oh, you have to come see me for like, you know, Uh, 10 sessions before you commit to anything. It's not that at all. The only commitment I ask for is that they do the work. And if they do Mm. the work, then I see the results. And that
0: makes me super happy. I think that's a fair enough deal. (laughs) Um, So speaking of kind of making the the industry better as a whole, as Mm. you've probably noticed over your years in running your business and being Mm. in the photography space, the arena is not that diverse. Um, Mm. Can you maybe share how you've seen the landscape change? over the past 20 years, um, to mm. see more representation for women or minorities mm. in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean,
1: 20 years ago, especially in the wedding industry, it's a huge shift now. So about 20 years ago, when I started out, majority of the wedding photographers were all men, almost almost Mm. all of them were men. Uh, most of the photographers in general, at least in Vancouver, they were all men. And that's definitely changed. Like over the years, I would say there's, there's a lot, a lot more, um, you know, uh, husband and wife teams. There are those that, you know, specifically target certain minority groups like, um, you know, LGBTQ plus communities, like all of that, you know, you see that happening and, um, it's fantastic to see that diversity now. Yeah, so the, the diversity is, has definitely gotten better over the years for sure.
0: Yeah. And, and that's like one of the main reasons that I, I started this podcast, too, is and I think a lot of other people are taking initiative in that. If you don't see something represented, create your own group, create your own podcast, you know, target your your business to this specific niche um, in this specific Absolutely. population. So. And that's
1: exactly what we should all be doing. Right. I mean, you yes. know, the last thing you want from a marketing perspective is to keep doing what everybody else is doing you don't want to do that you want to find your differentiator and if that differentiation is has something to do with representation or you know mm-hmm. or, or um, trying to uh, cater or market to a certain certain clientele then absolutely like you definitely want to be able to communicate, communicate that differentiator in your business for
0: sure. Absolutely. Um, So do you happen to, uh, what kind of communities do you belong to in Vancouver? Is there kind of a a community of photographers or creatives? Um, Because like I said, with this podcast, I'm aiming to kind of connect the female filmmakers and videographers Mm. of the world. Um, But do you find that you kind of have these, these staple communities that you belong to already in Vancouver? There
1: are some, mostly, most of them are online. So there's a lot Mm -hmm. of like online Facebook groups, like local ones that um, I'm a part of. Um, And they're all... Very fan- I, I would say particularly in the wedding industry they're all very very open and um, willing to share ideas and um, really foster a fantastic community here most of the people in the wedding industry whether or not you're a photographer or a wedding planner or whatever it, it's a it's it's a fantastic community to be a part of and I find that it's been um, very rewarding being a part of that, and I know that speaking with other photographers that are in different type of industries it's a little bit more of a um more of a uh, a quieter space you know a little bit more of a solo kind of you know a, a journey um so i'm I'm very thankful that you know. Um, I started off in a community where it was a very, very encouraging one. And over the years, I think also uh, photographers have also become uh, a lot more giving and open in sharing ideas. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also a local chapter of CAPIC, which is the Canadian Association of Photographers and Illustrators, uh, of oh. Canada. Yeah. So that they've, that they also have a fantastic community uh, and a great local chapter here as well. And that was catered more towards, um, commercial photographers and illustrators. And, 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 uh, so it's, it's definitely like, doesn't have anything to do with weddings, but mm-hmm. that's also been a very, very good community as well. And then also being a part of the school is a fantastic community. The instructors that I, that I teach alongside with are all fantastic, uh, welcoming people to share ideas and, and very encouraging group of people.
0: That's amazing. I find that building community has been such a um, a big part of my journey because I think that we all need those kind of, mm. uh, you know, the validation of, Absolutely. you know, we're not in this alone and just connecting yeah. with other people. I think that keeps that keeps a lot of us uh, going in this, this industry. Right.
1: And you need to have peer influence in so many ways mm-hmm. and f- peer feedback, peer influence, like it just, you know, sets the tone for a fantastic community. So if you're able to get one started, even if you didn't have one, start one, right? I think that's how I yeah. see it. Like what you said, if you don't see something out there, do it, get, get, take the initiative and start it yourself. Definitely.
0: So Sandra, I have to ask you, um, because you are the, um, the one with the most experience that I've had on the the podcast of 20 okay. years under your belt with photography, okay. what have yeah. been the biggest lessons that you've learned over the course of your career? Oh, boy, that's a really loaded question. Um, I think, you know, I think
1: you, I would say the number one thing is that you really have to keep pushing yourself creatively. Um, and I find that over the years, when you start to feel restless about what you're creating, that's probably a good time to kind of take a bit of a reset and start thinking about doing some personal projects and some creative projects to kind of get you into that next path. Um, and I speak from that through personal experience, where I felt like, you know, there were some years that I just kind of kept churning out the same thing over and over again. And I felt that restlessness um, when I was creating work creatively for my clients. And so what I had to do in those situations was kind of take a step back and just do some more personal projects and just kind of get myself into a different creative space. So as I mentioned earlier, I I really am a firm believer that your creativity has to evolve with time because um, not just creating things that are relevant um, to your market, but also resonates with your market is very important. I remember doing a talk at a, a photography club, many years ago. This was back in 2012, I think. (laughs) And the club at the time was made up of mostly middle aged men, um, that used to shoot weddings professionally, probably back in the eighties and nineties and made a hell of a ton of money doing it. And because the market had shifted, the style changed, but they weren't really changing creatively with what they were creating. And so you can see how badly they were wrestling with themselves because they were doing the same thing over and over again and nothing was working. And, you know, I would be making some marketing suggestions like, oh, yeah, you know, I used to, um, um, you know, uh, do advertising in this magazine. And they would just interrupt me on the spot and they'd be like, oh, no, well, we tried that advertising dead. It doesn't work. And I'm like, well. It worked for me. And so, to me, it doesn't necessarily um, you know mean that the method of what you're doing um is irrelevant. It's just it works for different people. Like you know, mm. different techniques work for different people. But I think the 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 thing that I observed and I took away from that conversation with these people is that they were not willing and able to change themselves creatively to make it work for the space and the clientele that they were seeing and the landscape that what they were working in. So I think it's really important to find a creative space that feeds your soul. And then if you're passionate about those changes, your clients will want to be a part of that. And you're going to find clients that resonate with that type of creative space and want to work with you. So it's a win-win for everybody.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people who watch this uh, podcast, because mm-hmm. the idea that um, I've, I've heard some people say, you know, I I, I want to create this type of content, but I just mm-hmm. don't know. If mm-hmm. There's a market for it. I don't know if the clients will come. It's like, you know, follow where your heart's going mm-hmm. and, you know, the money will come and that they, because people will really gravitate towards the passion. If you put all your heart and soul and do a project, that's really going to shine through. Um, I think in any case. So that's, that's wonderful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, thank you. No, and I, and I I feel that, you know, there is a practical side of me as well, because, you know, I think there's, there is that, there is that talk about, um, or or the theme of you, yes, you got to follow your dreams and all that stuff. But then there's also the practical side of me too, that says, well, you know, sometimes your dreams don't work out, right? Sometimes they don't, right? And sometimes you need to change them. But I also feel that, um, you know, people that May necessarily, you know, like yourself, like you work a full time job and you're fine doing the creative stuff on the side. Whereas others are like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to quit my job and do this full time. And everybody is different. But I think the important thing that we take away from all of that is that, you know, you just need to continue to create. And that may not necessarily be that you're going to be a full time videographer or you're going to be a full time filmmaker or you're going to be a full-time creative, whatever, right. You know, you could be doing what you're doing, you know, and just kind of keep that creative space as a, as a weekend thing. And that's okay. And I think we need to continue to understand that we need to stay nimble when it comes to creative process, because as soon as we start to put expectations on ourselves, we're also stifling our creativity as a result
0: of it. Mm. Wow. That was very powerful. That, that definitely, that definitely hit home for me. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. I think that um, just find because that's because what you said about the practicality of it, too. It's like, um, what's the what's the way that you can still fuel your creativity mm-hmm. while still making sure that you're not stressing out about about bills and about mm-hmm. all these things? Because yeah. if you decide to, um, I don't know, go all in on following your your passion and mm-hmm. launching your business and jumping right into it, you know, All the stress that you're going to feel if you're maybe not prepared or you don't have like a clear path to it Mm -hmm. is going to take away from your creativity and drain the passion that you had initially. So it's finding that balance, um, I think, definitely. Absolutely. Yes. Wonderful. Sandra, do you have any exciting projects coming up that you'd like to plug on the podcast today? Oh, sure.
1: Of course. Well, of course the, my advisor sessions, I've got some uh, some new spots that opened up because the people that I was working with last year have pretty much graduated and they're doing their own <laughs> amazing things now, <laughs> which is a good thing for them. Um, but yeah, I do have a few sessions available um, and open for that. And I do do um, Zoom call, Zoom calls as well. Nowadays with COVID, some of the people aren't even coming in and they still live in Vancouver. So um, that is definitely a possibility. Um, I am actually introducing filmmaking to my repertoire work officially to my clients, uh, probably in February. And that will come with a brand new website. So that I'm working on as well. So yeah, I'm really excited about the video side of things. I, uh, like I said, you know, if you, if you spoke with me two years ago, the conversation about being a filmmaker wouldn't even exist in the vocabulary. And I'm just so surprised (laughs) that I've taken it on, but in many ways I'm thankful, you know, because it really has regenerated, you know, some create new creative space for me. And, And like I said, I just, I love growing and I have that passion to learn and grow and, and perfect things. And I see that definitely filmmaking is one aspect of things that I'm focusing on and getting better at day by day. So I'm, I'm very excited about that.
0: That's wonderful to hear. We uh, we can't wait to keep up. Uh, speaking of which, where can the viewers and listeners of this podcast find you?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on my website at uh, yeltownphotography dot com with a Y, uh, or you can go on Instagram
0: yeltown. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeltownphoto. <laughs> Photo is my Instagram handle. Perfect. And my final question for you, Sandra. Mm-hmm. Although I'm I'm so sad to to be cutting our time uh, because I've had such a pleasure speaking to you. But my final question for you is: How can the viewers and listeners of this podcast support you as a filmmaker and photographer?
1: Mm, that's a good question. Um, well, you know what? I'm always looking for inspiration from um, creatives. So if there are, you know, personal personal stories or um, you know uh milestones things that are happening in your life tell me about them because i would love to film that or, or grab, grab new ideas on, on how best to kind of make that happen for, for even just, you know, yourself and, and, and how I can, and I, how I can share that on social media and, and to help you. Like, basically, if you want to help me, I want to help you. That's how I see it. I just, you know, that's, that's really what I, that's really what I'm out to do. And, you know, that's really one of the reasons and motivations why I wanted to start filmmaking is, is really, how do I, how do I tell your story? And that. That, to me, mm-hmm. is the most important thing is is how do I um, capture your milestone memories and moments, and how do I share your story? And to me, that is helping me.
0: Oh, that's amazing! We're we're so we're so glad to hear that, um, and can't wait to keep keep up with all the exciting projects that you have coming up. I will definitely mm-hmm. be keeping uh, keeping tabs and staying connected on social media, um, Sandra. It's been an absolute pleasure. This has been my favorite a podcast of the 2022 oh <laughs> yay <Definitely. laughs>
1: that's I awesome will,
0: uh... And, and definitely favorite podcast, one of the favorite podcasts of all time. Um, mm-hmm. Your story is just awesome. And you have just such a positive, wonderful energy about you. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for taking the time to speak with us today.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. And um, I wish you all the very best with your continued project. And I'm so glad you're following your own passion, too, and and doing this really unique podcast. And I think it's 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 been such an absolute pleasure to be a part of it. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much. And as always, thank you guys so much for watching and I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye.